One day, cartoon characters Frank and Ernest were talking to a priest when Frank blurted out, How come opportunity knocks once, but temptation beats at my door every day? Well, that's a great question, and you gotta love Frank's honesty. Jesus taught us to pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This part of the Lord's Prayer reminds us that temptation is the common experience of all humanity. To the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and you're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. In a fallen, sinful world, Jesus is our only hope. Through faith in Him, we gain eternal life, an unbreakable relationship with God. But in the meantime, we still sin, which frustrates our fellowship with God. Today, Ron takes a look at the four stages of temptation and the four solutions to temptation as he wraps up his teaching series, The Jesus Way to Pray. Stay with us here or stop by somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen on demand on your schedule. Download or subscribe to the podcast at Spotify, at Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, The Jesus Way to Pray for Protection. But here the Savior, by being led into the wilderness, the same wilderness where the chosen people of God failed, He succeeded and He demonstrates for us how to do spiritual battle. By quoting scripture, by wielding the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Also, the New Testament refers to Jesus as the second Adam. The first Adam we learn about in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. And the first Adam failed, right? Our physical and spiritual forefather sinned, contaminated the human race. You and I are therefore born into sin. We don't, we don't become sinners when we sin. We sin because we're sinners. You understand the difference? We're, we're like a, a laptop that arrives on your front doorstep and the operating system is already corrupted. That's the human nature. That's the sin nature. It's already in us. That's why the world around us is full of evil. You multiply a corrupted operating system through billions of people and you end up with the world that we're living in today. But Jesus was the second Adam. And unlike the first Adam, he did not sin in the wilderness when tempted. Even though tempted by pleasure, by pride, by power, and categorically, that sort of covers all the temptations that we might receive. Such that the New Testament writers reflect upon the temptation of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 15, by saying, For we do not have a high priest, I love this, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Got any weaknesses today? Are you just tired of falling prey to the 
temptations and solicitations to evil that the devil lays before you every day. Well, you do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with that. But one who in every respect who has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. The sinless Son of God. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, friend, even if the Spirit of God leads you to a place where the devil tempts you, just keep in mind, God always tests our faith. He'll, he'll put our faith to the test. But he never solicits us to do evil. That's the, that's the devil's job. But if he leads us to a place, by test or otherwise, where the devil would tempt us, Jesus is there to help in time of need. All you have to do is call out to him. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I wish it were that simple, and, uh, you know, some might say, well, that's, that's all the Bible tells us about temptation and how to deal with it, but that's actually not the case. Let's go back to the book of James, all right, for uh, just a short course in temptation and, and how to navigate the very real temptations that we, even as believers in Jesus Christ, face every day. James chapter 1 begins with a discussion about the trials of life. That's verses 1 through 12. And if you've never read James chapter 1 and put the trials of life in perspective, you need to read that. Then he shifts in verse 13 to the temptations of life. How do you soar above the trials of life? James has some great New Testament wisdom from above. How do you win the war within? Well, James is going to tell us in verse 13 and following. Let's pick it up in verse 14, where he lays out before us what I call the stages in temptation. He's going to slow down the process here a little bit. He's going to examine for us what are the stages that actually we go through uh, in temptation uh, so we understand this. He says in verse 14, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Four stages. Let me just talk about them real quickly. Temptation first begins with desire. Desire. Much of the broken world that we're in is the result of desire gone out of control. Temptation is an opportunity, by definition, in one sense, to fulfill a legitimate desire in an illegitimate way. Or to say it another way, to do something right, but in a wrong way, okay? That's, that's the solicitation. And the devil will always play upon our desires. You may have a desire for chocolate cake, but eating 12 cakes at one sitting is probably not good, all right? I mean, I'm being facetious here. A legitimate desire, but fulfilled in an illegitimate way. Temptation begins with desire, but once the devil entices your desires, he quickly turns to deception. And he's a master at deception. And here's where James draws upon images from the outdoor worlds of hunting and, and fishing. James says, each person, listen to this, 
is tempted when he is lured. Lured and enticed by his own desire. Uh, think of a hunter who sets a bear trap, you know, and puts, I don't know, something that bears like honey or, or meat, you know, dripping with blood. Something to lure and entice the bear. Think of a fisherman who, uh, you know, uh, has a shiny fishing lure with a wiggly worm dangling on the end of it. I'm neither a hunter nor a fisherman. I have nothing against that. I just, that's just not my, my world. But my understanding is, you know, if you're a fisherman, you, you understand the lures that attract certain fish. And so, you know, sometimes it's a shiny thing. Sometimes it's a, it's a wiggly thing you put on the end of it. In verse 16, uh, just a verse or two later, James says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Is it possible for a believer in Jesus Christ, a blood-bought child of God, to be deceived by the devil? Absolutely. Absolutely. He plays upon our desires, legitimate desires, but here's a shortcut. Here's an illegitimate way to get your desires fulfilled. He won't, he won't say it that way, but here's a shortcut to getting that, that burning desire within you. And to get us to go that direction, he'll dangle some bait in front of us. And we become deceived, listen to this, when we believe the bait dangling in front of us is better than anything God could give us. That's where the deception comes. Now, if the devil can get us to believe his lies or if our desires run out of control, it won't be long before deception turns to disobedience. James says, then when lust or desire has conceived, and now he turns away from the uh, hunting and fishing analogy to a mother giving birth. When lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, trespassing God's law, disobedience, which piles up the sin debt. We've, we've talked about that in the Lord's Prayer. And just like a woman is never a little pregnant, uh, so we cannot be just a little deceived. Uh, sometimes as believers, we're deceived by the devil. Now the slope is steeper and it's more slippery moving from deception to disobedience than it is from desire to deception. You've got to nip this in the bud at the desire stage, stage one, or it just gets harder and harder and harder. But once we are deceived, and I'm mixing some of the analogies here, that's when we are hooked like a fish in water and disobedience is only steps away. Still ahead, the second half of today's Something Good radio message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. If you've never visited our website, somethinggoodradio.org, I encourage you to stop by. There you'll find our streaming platform for the entire media ministry. You'll also find our digital library where you can search for biblical answers to your most challenging questions. Watch, listen, and download for free. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now with the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, The Jesus Way to Pray for Protection. Here once again is Dr. Ron Jones. The fourth stage in temptation is death. James uh, says it as much. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth 
death. Now the Bible says in uh, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death. And certainly James has that in mind. But for the believer in Jesus Christ, you've escaped eternal death, separation from God forever. But there can be an emotional or relational or you know, other forms of death. For the believer in Jesus Christ, when we sin against God, when we, when we allow our desires to become enticed into disobedience, you know what death feels like? At least to me, it feels like the loss of intimacy with God because our fellowship is broken. We don't, lose our, we don't lose our relationship with Him. We're still children of God. You don't lose your salvation. But you lose that precious intimacy that comes to those who walk in obedience to Him. Now, we're all going to sin. You're never going to achieve perfection in this life. This is where 1 John 1, 9 comes. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The book of 1 John is written to believers in Jesus about fellowship, intimacy with the Father. But when we give in to temptation, when we cross that line, when we walk in disobedience to Him, oh, the grieving of the Spirit, that, that haunting feeling of I'm just not right with my Father, should come over the heart of every believer in Jesus Christ. If not, you're in a dangerous place. You've seared your conscience and you've quieted the Holy Spirit in you. James is just slowing down this process of temptation so we understand what's going on. And I know, as others have said, that at the moment of temptation, especially when deception comes, all rational thought escapes us. We're not thinking of the consequences of our sin. We're not thinking of, of all that you know, could spiral out of this. We're just there to fulfill that immediate desire, maybe a legitimate desire, but in an illegitimate way and in a way that grieves the Spirit of God and breaks our fellowship with Him. We're not thinking in a rational way, but James helps us break down the process so that at least now, in a rational moment, we, we can think about this and do what Joseph did when he was faced with the temptation with Potiphar's wife. Remember that story in the Old Testament? You know what he did? He ran. He ran. Run, Forrest, run. Only in this case, run, Joseph, run. Flee youthful lusts. Or whatever desire just has you in a grip. Run from it. Run from the place of temptation. As you are praying, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, real quickly, and I'm running out of time here, I want to talk about the solution for temptation. I've alluded to some of it, but James goes on. He doesn't just diagnose temptation for us and give us a, you know, the stages of temptation. He gives us a solution, beginning in verse 17. Understand what I'm about to read in the context of his discussion here about temptation. James says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Four real quick solutions to temptation. Number one, pray. Pray. And here's what you pray. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Pray in that moment. Number two, reflect on God's goodness. 
We've heard James 1.17 maybe taken out of context. Yeah, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father above. Why did he say that right on the heels of temptation? Because the devil entices us by saying, I've got something better than God has. And it's a lie. As soon as you start believing the devil's lies, that this shortcut is better than anything God could give you, you're hooked. It's an easy slide into disobedience from there. But if you reflect on the goodness of God, no, this shiny little thing, the devil's dangling in front of me. No, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father above. I don't think this comes down from the Father above. It comes down from hell below. Thirdly, reach for the word of truth. James goes on to say, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth. Why does James go there? Well, for the same reason that Paul said, one of the ways to dress up for spiritual battle is to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You fight spiritual battles and the lies of the devil with the truth of God's word. That's what Jesus did in the, in, in, in the wilderness. It is written. It is written. It is written. He had the arsenal nearby, in his mind, in his heart, on his lips, ready to fire at moment's notice. That's why reading and studying and meditating upon and memorizing God's word is so vital. If you've got a particular area where you stumble, Find every verse of scripture related to that particular disobedience and commit it to memory. You wouldn't dare go into battle without the right arsenal. And the Spirit of God will draw upon that truth, the word of truth, at just the right moment and remind you. And you just repeat that to the devil, just like Jesus did. And the strength will come to resist the temptation. Finally, remember God's purpose for you. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Somehow in that moment of temptation, you got to remember, God has a grander purpose in mind for my life than the devil ever has. He is here to steal, kill, and destroy everything that is good in my life and that comes from God. And he will stop at nothing to do that. They'll stop at nothing. Now, with all of that in mind, I'd like for us to recite the Lord's Prayer because we have finished our study of it. And I'm going to try not to stumble over all of my words like I did once with my church family, but help me say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good radio message, The Jesus Way to Pray for Protection. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Ron, for the next couple of minutes, I'd like to pursue this idea of the four solutions to temptation a little further. 
Is there one solution in particular that stands out? And if so, why does it stand out? Well, of course, all four of them are important, Brian, but yes, there is one that I'd like to highlight. It's something I've talked about uh, many times here on Something Good, but given the context of today's message, which is about sin and temptation and the protection God offers us, I want to reemphasize just how important the Word of God is to our spiritual health. Now, I mentioned the four solutions to temptation, Brian, and they are to pray, uh, to remember God's goodness, to reach for the Word of truth, and finally, to remember God's purpose. All four of these are beneficial, even necessary. But let me say a couple of quick things about the word of truth, which of course is the word of God or the Bible. First, it is inside the pages of scripture where uh, we learn to pray and learn about the goodness of God and, and, and discover that we have a purpose for being here. So God's word, the Bible, is the one solution to temptation that identifies and helps us implement the other three. Second, uh, sort of like in a court of law, it is often said that uh, truth is one's best defense. Uh, what we find here is, is very similar with respect to the truth of God protecting us from harm, but with one minor twist. In this case, the truth is our best offense. Uh, truth is a sword, Brian, and uh, while it can be used defensively, it is also the one and only offensive weapon in the armor of God recorded in Ephesians chapter 6. And we need this weapon of truth to overcome the enemy's deception. Now, you may remember that Jesus used it in the wilderness with Satan. Uh, three times Satan tempted Jesus. Three times Jesus quoted scripture, wielding the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And by using scripture as a solution to temptation, Jesus wasn't merely avoiding evil. He was exposing the evil in Satan. Uh, that's what a sword can do. It can protect you while at the same time going on the attack. Uh, Brian, of the four stages of temptation, deception plays the biggest role in terms of what the devil uses against us. And the only way to defeat deception is with the truth. It is God's word, the Bible, that transforms us by the renewing of our minds. It is God's word that reveals the other three solutions to temptation. It is absolutely essential to read and meditate on the word of God on a consistent basis. Brian, we cannot avoid temptation, but if we want to overcome it, we must not avoid God's word. That's Dr. Ryan Jones and some final thoughts on the power of the word of God to help us resist temptation. Well, we have a great resource to share with you today. As you may know, Ron has written a book that goes hand in hand with a teaching series he shared earlier this year, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Today, we'd like to offer you both volumes for your gift of $50 or more to support the media ministry of something good. That's volumes one and two of Ron's book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Our thank you gift for your donation of $50 or more today. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Ron, we're getting close to wrapping up this important series on the Lord's Prayer. Two more days to go. Tell us what's in store next time in your message, The Keys to Unlocking Answered Prayer. Yes, and thanks, Brian. Uh, we've traveled a long distance through the Lord's Prayer these past couple of weeks, and I hope our listeners have grown closer to God 
through this and perhaps even developed a greater passion for prayer. But you know, it occurs to me that even for those who have walked with Jesus for quite some time, prayer might still be a, a bit of a mystery to some and, and a source of frustration to others. Uh, we may have seasons in which we feel like God is not even hearing our prayers, much less answering them. So I wanna dive into this subject of uh, unlocking answered prayer. And I'm hopeful that it will foster within us a fresh perspective, not only on our prayer life, but on our entire relationship with the Lord. That's tomorrow when Ron shares his message, The Keys to Unlocking Answered Prayer. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.